Hello and welcome to the Millennial Minimalist Podcast. I am your host, Kelly Foss, and together with my co-host, Lauren Morley, our mission is to help you simplify your life and live with greater intention. Together, let's live more with less. Hi, everyone. Today, I am sharing our recent guest interview on the Overcoming Odds podcast, where Lauren and I share how adopting a minimalist lifestyle has helped us live with greater intention. Host Oleg Lohid shares the stories of people who have overcome adversity to achieve personal success. And in our discussion, Lauren and I talk about how minimalism has given us the time and space to manage the excess in our lives so that we can be more intentional with the decisions we make each day. We cover how to know when you're ready to get started, how to begin to adopt this lifestyle, and how to maintain intentional habits. Plus, we discuss the difference between a minimalist mindset and a scarcity mindset. You will learn that living with greater intention takes constant work, but that the rewards are well worth the effort. Be inspired by our minimalist journeys thus far and be motivated to start designing your version of a more intentional life. So when I when I first came across your guys' podcast and your stories, I've been curious about this lifestyle for a number of years by now, and I figured why not talk to two people who not only live it, but share it with others and get their insights and perspectives on what that even means. And Kelly, I know you briefly mentioned that Lauren is the one that had this lifestyle to begin with. Would you say she kind of inspired much of the work? Yeah. So Lauren is the true innate minimalist, I like to say. And she inspired me through our friendship to also adopt this way of life. And you're right, it is a lifestyle. I like to say that minimalism is an opportunity to live a simpler, more intentional life. And I always end that by saying, who wouldn't want that? (laughs) There are a lot of misconceptions around this lifestyle, but we like to communicate that these misconceptions are exactly that. They are misconceptions. And so we like to work through that. I like to say that minimalism is a lifestyle template. It's a clean slate. It's an opportunity for people to remove the excess from their lives so they can focus on the things that are most important to them so that they can start fresh in life. It's a great refresh. And as our favorite influencer from The Minimalist Podcast, TK Coleman would say, it's about removing the excess things that are in the way of allowing you to live a more meaningful life. Mm-hmm. Lauren, what what inspired this? Yeah, so I have such a unique story when it comes to minimalism. I've always lived this way. Like even since I was a little kid, people thought my room was the spare bedroom. My Christmas list <laughs> only had one thing on it. And growing up, I thought I was so weird. Like I was honestly embarrassed about the way I lived because everyone loves stuff. I would people had so much stuff. Their rooms were full of stuff. They loved to shop. And I hated it. I didn't like having a lot of physical items around me. I didn't like managing them. I didn't like wasting my money on it. And then when the minimalists did their documentary, I think it was like five or six years ago, I saw it on Netflix and I was like, oh my God, like there's other people who live this way. Like I'm not weird or crazy. And then And people aspired to live that way. So I became proud of the lifestyle and proud of the way that I lived. And, you know, I remember Kelly, the first time she came over and saw my place, she was like, wow, like, this is amazing. And, (laughs) you know, it led to the podcast and doing the podcast, I learned so much about minimalism and so many different areas and all the benefits of it. So it's just such a beautiful way to live. And it's 
so nice to inspire other people to join the lifestyle. It's fascinating how media can impact us, isn't it? Yeah. Like documentaries or books. So I have a slightly different story, maybe same concept. Six to seven years ago, I became a vegan. I'm I'm not a vegan anymore, but I was vegan for about uh, two years. And it was the same exact thing. I came across a documentary and I was like, wow, I am doing this. So I literally went to my fridge, probably not the most you know, advised way to do this, but I went to my fridge and I just threw everything out, completely mm-hmm. emptied it out, lost probably 15 pounds in the first month because wow. I was uneducated. I didn't know what to eat. How, you know, how do you make up the calories that you're able to get from one piece of meat or some of the other things that we consume? And so I, but I realized same exact thing through that journey, how impactful media can be. And it's really important to understand and define who are you getting your information from and what are the resources that you're continuing to refer to, to kind of sustain that lifestyle, right? I'm sure similar things, it's got to be true with kind of a minimalistic lifestyle is that how do you continue to maintain it? And I'm curious, and this is a question for either of you or both of you, however you want to do it. In thinking of minimalism, as a as a mindset, what is the difference between that and scarcity? So minimalism, again, is about living a simpler, more intentional life, whatever that means for you. There isn't one way of doing things. So I like to say I was actually talking about the scarcity mindset recently. And it's I think it has to do with, oh, you know, if say I'm I'm clothing shopping and they only have two items left. I'm like, I feel pressure to buy it because there aren't that many options available. So, or items available. So then I'll be like, oh, I got to get it. Right. That's just kind of the scarcity mindset that I think about. Minimalist mindset is more so about being intentional every day with what you do, how you spend your time, how you spend your energy. And I think a lot of people, they don't take the time to reflect on where they're doing that, where they're spending their time. And what are the things in life that really light them up? I think a lot of people, they buy things to basically cover up issues or buy things to look a certain way. And when we do that, we don't get to actually discover who we are and what is most meaningful to us. And so for me, with I'll just give you an example of my mindset shift. I went from feeling a little bit lost and I was stuck in the comparison trap at one point in my life. And I was like, oh, you know, my friends are here in their careers and I want to be here. I've always been very ambitious, but I felt a little bit lost in my career. And it was minimalism that gave me that epiphany. It was like once I removed that excess stuff, I started realizing, wow, I have this interest and this interest. And I know this has been in my interest for decades, but I haven't pursued it out of all this fear. But when you remove this excess, you feel lighter and you feel like, wow, I actually can do this. And I was thinking, wow, you know, minimalism isn't about owning a certain number of items. It's about living with intention. And that is so, so important. And it's it sounds so simple, but there are so many people out there that aren't living with intention. And a lot of the times it is the excess physical stuff, but it's also the excess mental clutter as well. And that's an area that specifically Lauren has learn that that's an area that is cluttered for her. She was like, oh, I'm the innate minimalist. I don't need to do anything. I only have a pen 10 piece wardrobe. And then she realized, wait a second, I have a lot of 
mental clutter and emotional clutter. And I need to work on that. What makes it complex to live with intention? Why do you think a lot of people don't do it? So I think it's scary. I love that you asked me that right now because I was out last night at a dinner and I went out for drinks after and there was someone at the bar, an older gentleman. And I said, how are you feeling? He goes, you know, I'm actually feeling pretty down tonight. I had a leak in my basement and I lost a lot of stuff. So I'm not feeling the greatest tonight. And I told him about what I do in terms of inspiring people to live a simpler, more intentional life. And I said, I really advise people to focus on building their own asset, meaning them, the person that they are investing in themselves versus investing in excess stuff. The problem, the hardest part for people, he goes, oh my gosh, I love that. I love that idea, but it's too hard for me. He's like, I would love to do that, but I don't think that I can. So I'm not going to start. And I said, why? He goes, I have way too much clutter in my mind and in my, in my house. And I don't even know where to start. He's like, it's too hard. I want to live with greater intention. I want to live more simply, but I don't know how to start. And it's too overwhelming to even think about. And that's where we come in. We start saying, hey, what is one area of your life that causes a consistent burden, especially mentally for you? What is the thing that gets in your way the most? Then we start there. Lauren and I have discovered that most people, it's with their closet. It's the first place they go every day. And so we ended up building a closet kit that's on our website to help people declutter their things so that every morning when they go to put on an outfit, it takes them seconds. That way they don't have to spend lots of minutes every morning making a decision about what they're going to wear. So that's an example of where they start. But again, as you said, a lot of people are scared to start because they don't know where to. It sounds scary because they have so much clutter. The problem is we live in in a life today where there are so many options. There is so much stuff and there's a comparison trap. We're no longer just comparing ourselves to our neighbors. We're comparing ourselves to everybody we see on social media. So we want all the things. We need all the things. We're told we're supposed to have all these things by a certain age. And so it can be scary. And I, I in this lifestyle has helped me, me personally discover that I love to inspire people to remove the excess so that they can find the light within them, the thing that lights them up and pursue that. That's the best feeling in the world. If you can help someone remove the stuff that makes them unhappy and help them create the space and and challenge them to to start reflecting so that they can pursue the most meaningful things to them, that's a beautiful thing. Mm. Yeah, Lauren. and just to just to add to that, I think that people don't know how to live intentionally. Like they're not really given the tools. And, you know, we live in a society where there's so much noise. And like Kelly said, with social media, we're just exposed to so much that we don't even know what we want anymore. It's like, oh, they have that top. I want to buy that top. They have that car. I want to buy that car. Oh, they they're making this much money. I want to make that much money. We never actually like step back and question what we actually want out of our own lives or what our own style is or what our own dreams are. We're just, we get so caught up in the noise to the point where we don't even know what questions to ask ourselves. So, you know, living with intention, especially in this day and age can be just really difficult. So I I think it's important to kind of dissect some of that. I'm fully with the two of you as far as living with intention, but I've also been curious as far as at what points of the day do you not live with intention, 
right? Because I, I, I think, in my opinion, too much of anything can kind of lead down a, a different path or a different trap, so to speak, right? So it's more about how do you create that balance? And that's you, you make intentional decisions and then you just make decisions for the sake of making decisions. And so I'm curious, it, have either of you experienced that aspect where you are so focused on being intentional with all of your decisions that you possibly missed some opportunities, right? Because there's also opportunities that happen just straight spontaneous moments. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I'll give you an example. Like my most recent flight I was on, I was talking to a person for, I think it was three hours straight. And yet my intention was, hey, I need to finish this project. I need to be behind this laptop to deliver this to my next client. And then I chose to put it away to focus on the conversation. Now, my intention was X, Y, and Z. The reality was A, B, C. Right. So how do you how do you personally manage that? How do you personally navigate your day in knowing that, okay, I want to live an intentional lifestyle, but I also want to leave room for the unintentional things that are going to happen throughout the day? We always like to say that this lifestyle is imperfectly perfect. That's why it's a lifestyle. It requires ongoing maintenance. Just like the closet, we built this closet kit and we have a whole maintenance guide. We're not just going to help you declutter your closet because that doesn't mean that you're going to keep it that way, right? So I'll say that, but then intentional doesn't mean that we are being restrictive. It's just being mindful as we move through life. I think a lot of us can be on that hamster wheel and sometimes not be fully present with the people that are around us. And by creating this space and this level of calm in your environment, you become more present with people. You are more mindful of the things that you're doing, how, how you're speaking, how you're spending your time. It's just a level of awareness that you get that you wouldn't have if you had all this excess. That being said, there are areas in our lives that we might have excess. You know, I might love shoes. I could have many, many shoes if that is something that I love and I wear them all. It's about being intentional with the things you own. I could be an artist. We have a beautiful artist from France who who follows us and she has an art studio and that's her way to be area to be creative and it's messy, but then I'm sure her home is very intentional and it's clean and it's calm, right? So it's just being smart about those areas. And Lauren and I, it's constant. We have to constantly work on this. We we have all these episodes on our podcast, Millennial Minimalist, about how we're going through the motions. We're not perfect. Sometimes Lauren said in our latest episode about how every day she talks about how she writes things that she's grateful for. But at the end of the day, she says, hey, have I moved the needle closer to my goals? And some days she'll be like, nope. And that's okay. (laughs) You know, when we say, and also when we say yes to something, we also know that we're saying no to something at the same time. And I, I like to tell our listeners that it's about living mindfully. It's about buying things that are going to last a long time. So we don't like the idea of buying fast fashion. We like the idea of buying high quality clothing. We'll pay a little bit more for that item so that it lasts over a few decades. And Lauren taught me it's price per wear. If I can wear this a hundred times, it's worth the cost, right? So that's something to think about. But one of the deterrents is that because we want one of something and we want the very best of something and we want something that lasts, 
sometimes we fall into this, we get paralyzed by the options out there, right? Because there's so many options, especially, you know, I was buying a bed recently and I was talking about how I still hadn't bought a bed after three weeks because it's so hard for me to make a decision because I'm looking for perfection. And so sometimes that is one of the, the things that I struggle with. I need to work on being more decisive with things and not always looking for that best good enough is good enough. We interviewed uh, Barry Schwartz, who wrote the book, The Paradox of Choice. And he talks about how it is good to choose good enough. Most of the time, we shouldn't struggle to buy a bar of jam, a, a bar of soap or a jar of jam, right? These tiny decisions shouldn't matter. So it's being mindful about the things that you know, are really important. And if they do need to require more time to make a decision about that's okay. But I'm actually curious what Lauren's going to say. So I look at intention as choice. So you have a choice with what you do with your time. Like for instance, when you're on the plane, you had the decision to either have that conversation with the guy or to do the three hours of work that you needed to do. And you were intentional about that. You're like, I choose to have this conversation with this guy over doing this work. And there are going to be times in our lives where we just don't have that control. Like you, things happen, things come up. There are so many times I like overcommit myself. I'm not working on the stuff I need to be working on. I'm not taking care of myself. And I'm just like, you know what? It is what it is. I I have to learn from this. And, you know, just going back to your plane ride, I would think to myself, maybe I can talk to this guy for an hour and then I'll get a couple hours of work done. And I'll just tell him, be like, hey, listen, like great conversation. Here's my email. I, I have to finish this project. Or I would be like, can I do this tonight? Like, can I do it tomorrow? It's like just being intentional with your day-to-day decisions and figuring out what's most important. At that time, meeting someone new and having a great conversation was more important than what you needed to work on in that moment. So it's just making making the decision and being happy with the decision that you made and understanding that you're just not always going to have control over things. Mm-hmm. That's a really spontaneity good point. is okay. We're yeah, okay yeah. with spontaneity. Yeah, it is. It's a part of it. Yeah, that's a really good point. Well, let me go back to that flight and just tell him that hey, we can talk for an hour. Here's my email, and then we can continue on later on or later right. on. I, I'm curious. There, there's another thing that kind of came to mind as the two of you were sharing your own stories. Are are either of you dating? Yes. Okay. Yeah. How does this play into that? Is this a conversation starter? Is it something that is difficult to explain? Because I know for me, like when I went vegan, A, that was the thing that pretty much took most of the conversations, right? Why did you do it? How are you doing it? It seemed that there was a lot of interest and kind of natural, I think, curiosity about that. Mm -hmm. And I'm wondering with the concept of minimalism, is it the same? Is it different? Do yeah. you get tired talking about it after a while? Like how does how does that well, impact? To you answer there? your question, I'm obsessed with the topic. Uh-huh. I was told earlier in earlier in my life by a mentor figure that you should explore your interests and build a passion and focus that on one thing. Explore your interests, but choose one and then build a passion from there. And when I discovered minimalism, I had a light bulb moment. We were in Italy when we recorded our first episode, and I said, This is it. I finally figured out what it is and I just went after it and I see 
minimalism. I see Laura and I being thought leaders in the space forever. It's it's something that I want to continue to build throughout the rest of my life. So it's very important to me. And so when it came comes to dating, I would go on dates and yes, they would ask me about minimalism. A lot of them were curious. And to be honest, those who weren't curious, I was less interested in. I want someone who shares in this interest with me, who wants to live an organized life, who, who wants to create the space to pursue the things that are most important to them, who wants to be reflective and spiritual, because these are all the components of this lifestyle. And so it's actually, it was helpful because this is a mindset and it's a lifestyle. And by bringing it up, you're kind of, it's its a good test to see if they could also adopt this way. And now this is not something I would ever push on someone, but it's something that by living by example, a lot of people realize the benefits and they will pick it up. So even Lauren's boyfriend, he's picked it up. He's picked up components because he's realized, wow, like this is really nice living this way. And so I would never push it on someone, but I find that I, I seem to connect most with those who really align with this way of thinking. I love that you brought up minimalist mindset because it really is a mindset. It's a way of life. And, and I actually interviewed Humble the Poet. He wrote a book called How to Be Loved. And I wanted to interview him because I wanted to navigate relationships and dating because it can be overwhelming. You know, this lifestyle isn't just about focusing on the physical clutter. It's about, again, the mental clutter. And a lot of us deal with that, especially in the dating world. Lauren actually went on 46 first dates before she met her boyfriend, who was date 47. Yeah, and, that's wild. You know, there's a lot of, <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of clutter out there, especially when it comes to dating. And so we help people navigate every area of life. You know, we've, we've interviewed everybody from Humble the Poet to Gretchen Rubin, who talks about how once we have outer order, we have inner calm. We've interviewed Dr. Judd Brewer, who talks about how to manage our anxiety, how to unwind our anxiety. Uh, Nirayal, he talks, he has a book called Indistractable, how to manage the distractions in our lives so that we can focus on the things that we want to focus on. And distractions are everywhere these days. Again, as Lauren said earlier, there's so much noise. And of course, we've interviewed a lot of people when it comes in the minimalism sphere, specifically focused on excess clutter, like physical things, but there's so, so much more. Lauren, yeah. <laughs> I love 41 this question. Dates in. <laughs> How was that? I definitely <laughs> didn't like show up on those 46 dates and be like, I only have four spoons and one bath towel. Like, are yeah. you cool with that? <laughs> what is funny, though, I feel like if they ever came to my place or saw my place, they'd be like, oh, did you just move in? And I had lived there <laughs> five years. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I did. <laughs> I I didn't feel because I've always lived this way. I I just feel like it's who I am. So it's not like something that I just naturally bring up to people. Like, I feel like a lot of times with veganism or, you know, things like that, it's like, Hey, I just started this. It's like, I'm really interested in it, but it, I guess it was always just part of my life. And I wasn't out looking for another minimalist. Like I, you know, I'll always keep my things super simple and my closet and my area of my life, but I don't like the people, my parents or my boyfriend, they can have as much stuff as they want. Like, I hope I inspire them, but it definitely wasn't a breaking factor for me. And, you know, as if I went on a few dates with a guy, I definitely would tell him, oh, I have a podcast on minimalism and, you know, I'm passionate about it for these reasons. And this is what we talk about. And these are the benefits. 
And another thing that minimalism gave me around dating was the time to go and meet someone. Like I felt like, you know, I was about to turn 30 and I was like, I want to meet someone like I'm ready. And I made it a priority in my life. And because I wasn't like working insane hours and shopping all the time or like in this crazy rat race, I was able to go on 47 days to meet my perfect match. So it definitely gave me the space and time to do that. But yeah, I feel like minimalism, the beauty of it is that you you don't have to be with another minimalist. Your friends don't have to be minimalist. Like you yourself can just find, you know, the area of minimalism that works for you. And however, like Kelly said, it's a template, like however you want to live your life within it. And it has nothing to do with other people. Mm. Yeah. How do you know when you're ready? I know it's a mm. slight, slight tangent from the conversation, but I'm just curious, kind of going off of this whole topic of intentionality and mindfulness. I think that's an important question. Like, how do you know when you're ready? Whether dating or new changes, it, I mean, anything, start, starting over, what is that? Is that a feeling? Is that intuition? Yes. So I'm actually just thinking of your listeners right now in this moment when you ask that question. Are you feeling motivated? Are, you, are we getting you to think about things in your life that you really want, that you know is buried under all these things, whether that is mental clutter or physical clutter or maybe digital clutter or relational clutter? There's so many areas that we cover. And it's once you know that everybody knows that gut feeling, you're like, something's missing and this would really make me happy. If that's the case, then you know that something needs to change. I think we all know when something needs to change, but we don't exactly know what that thing is. And everybody, I highly recommend people take some time, even if that means five, 10 minutes, bring out a piece of paper and write down the things that you want to want less of in your life and the things that you want more of in your life. It's a question that Lauren and I asked each other recently. And in that exercise, you realize, oh, wow, look, I'm spending my time here. Although I've always you know, said to my friends, my family, I want this and this and this and this, but I'm actually not getting closer to that because of all of this, right? So that's when you know you're ready. And to be ready, you actually have to create the steps to get there. You need to start creating that space. So that's what's important. So even for me in the beginning, I started with my closet and I could have been working that afternoon, but I was like, nope. And I remember feeling a little bit of FOMO. I was like, I need, I have work to get done, but I got to do this. I got to clean up my closet. And it felt so good after. And then from there, I then cleaned up my kitchen. Then from there, I started working on my mental clutter. Then from there, I started decluttering my digital files. There are so many areas that then evolve from the first area that you start at. But the, the, the problem is people feel too overwhelmed to start. But again, it's baby steps, getting a little bit closer every day. Even my mom, my father, Lauren's parents, we are the daughters of parents that love their stuff. They love their stuff so much. But we can both say that even just leading by example, we have inspired them so much. It's incredible. And they've taken baby steps. My mom gets excited. I come home and she go in the kitchen. She's like, look what I did with the cupboards. The next time I come <laughs> home, it's some other area of the house. You know, they get so excited and it's not something that I push on them. And, you know, we work some, sometimes we work with our listeners one-on-one -on, -one on helping them clean out certain areas of excess. 
And it's really, really fun for us because we see them grow as people. It's not just, oh, you know, I have a nice space now. It's an emotional experience letting go of things that people have been holding on to that maybe are a safety blanket to them. And then once they let go, there's more life for them to live, right? And so, you know, we actually helped someone specifically who was moving. And she's like, I've got all this stuff. She got rid of all the stuff and she moved and she felt so much lighter. Like these are the things. It's like, okay, had you not get rid of all that stuff, you would have probably spent another five years and then not had this space and the level of freedom to go to the next space. And I always say that this lifestyle improves our lives in so many ways, but there are five main ways. Number one, it inspires you to let go of clutter. And this is me motivating our listeners to get started. Number two, helps you live with greater intention. You're more mindful of how you spend your time. Number three, and this was actually surprising for me, is that it helps you embrace your authentic self. Lauren said the other day, she's like, Kelly, I love how you don't sugarcoat things in your life. No, I can be so myself, so much more real. I used to be shy. I, I used to be I kind of down on myself mentally so much. And now I'm like, no, I'm just going to be me. And it feels so good. And number four, it helps you follow your curiosities and pursue your goals. And number five, it helps you turn outwards. So you're not just focused on yourself. Once you get this level of awareness, all you want to do is listen and you ask people questions and turn outwards and help and inspire others. And that is the most rewarding thing. You get a really good helper's high in turn from helping others. Yeah. And I think it's so great to be motivated and to be inspired, but sometimes you're not and you just have to do it anyways. If you you look around your place and it's full of all of this stuff that you don't need and you don't want and you're you're spending all of your money on all of this stuff and all of your time working or doing things you don't want to do you just have to start to do something whether you're motivated or not because a decade could go by and you've done nothing so like you you have to try things out like you even just listening to this podcast, if you're interested in minimalism, you're learning about it. Like what, what's the next step that you can take, even if you're not motivated to do it, like humble, the poet who Kelly was saying that we interviewed, he put a little thing on Instagram and he's like, if you want to do something, do it. And then it's like, but I'm scared. He's like, then do it scared. So <laughs> sometimes you, True. you just have to take the leap of faith for whatever it is. Even with the dating, like, I, you know, I said I was ready to meet someone, but I didn't want to go out in a snowstorm and meet people I don't know and be in that vulnerable situation where they like might shut you down or ghost you. But you got to <laughs> do it. The prize and what is at the end is so much so worth it for what you get back. Mm -hmm. That's really interesting that you even mentioned this whole concept of uh finding the motivation to do it. I, I came across a quote a number of years ago that said, motivation is temporary, habits are permanent. Yeah. And it's very much, I think, in alignment with what the two of you just shared. It's like, how do you take, A, how do you focus on one step at a time, right? How do you identify that step? I guess maybe that's even the step before that. And then how do you find the courage to take it? And then from there, right. I feel like it just builds up more and more. I mean, I'm the same way, right? I'll, I'll start vacuuming my room and all of a sudden I'm vacuuming the whole house. I start yeah. washing one dish and all of a sudden I'm re-emptying the dishwasher to wash all those dishes. So it's like 
I, I don't know how to describe it. I think it's some sort of internal desire that starts to kick in. And there's something to be said about action being kind of like the universal language. I think that in my opinion, whenever I felt like I was lost when it came to not being able to find my passion or purpose, it's because I didn't pair it with action. I think mm -hmm. passion is a byproduct of action, in my mm, opinion. Absolutely. And yeah. I think probably the same exact thing that is true when it comes to the mindset or what it means to live a minimalistic lifestyle, right? You could talk about all these things. You could see it through other people. But I, I think until you get a chance to experience it yourself, it probably is not going to make enough of a difference for you to make a, a change of your own. It's building tiny habits, building on tiny habits every single day. You yeah. have to build this system. And once you build habits in one area, you start building that same habit in other areas. That's the most beautiful thing. You start cleaning your home. You'll start cleaning your mind. It, it just flows. The habits flow into different areas if you continue to be motivated, but you have to build on these tiny little habits. And we really stress that, and this is actually a quote from uh, author Greg McEwen. He wrote Essentialism and Effortless, two incredible books I highly recommend. And he says, when you focus on what you lack, you lose what you have. When you focus on what you have, you gain what you lack. So we always recommend you also go in with a positive mindset. Focus on the things that you do have, because sometimes when we're working through the clutter, we're like, oh, we got so much stuff. But what do you what do you have that you're grateful for? You know, not everything's going to be perfect. And going through the motions of removing the excess can be challenging at times, very challenging and very emotional. But once you work through it, as Lauren said, the rewards are incredible. You know, you feel more calm, you feel more clarity, you have greater resilience and ultimately you you feel more fulfilled each day. And that's, that's the ultimate goal. Mm. Yeah. I love that you said you have to pair action with passion. And it's so true. I feel like there's so many people out there who are like, oh, I'm so passionate about this. It's like, okay, but have you tried it? Like, do you <laughs> even know? And we just sit and like, let our dreams go because we're too scared to even go and try it. And then we sit for 10 years being like, oh, this is my dream without ever trying it. And I also want to say minimalism isn't easy. Like you're not going to, it's not easy to go through all of your stuff and let go of things and not just like buy on impulse. You know, I still want to go and spend the whole weekend at the mall and like buy a bunch of new clothes and like buy the latest gadget. But I, I know that the repercussions of doing that financially, having to manage all of that stuff. So you have to weigh out the rewards and just remember that it, it's not easy. I feel like so many times people are like, oh, you work out and you get endorphins and, you know, your place is always perfect and simple. It's like, but it's not always that way. Like there, there's difficulty and challenge and the lifestyle and maintaining it. But like I said, what you get out of it is so worth the effort. Yeah. And, and I would add that sometimes when people do impulse buy and they spend their weekend shopping, they'll realize deep down if they take time to reflect, it's like, okay, why am I doing this? And then they get emotional. They realize, oh, it's because all the things that I'm trying to forget about, you know, all the troubles in my life, I'm trying to just forget about. But then they get those items and they bring them home and it's fun for a day. And the next day they're like, they have buyer's remorse. They're like, I don't need this stuff. 
And then they end up keeping it and they're overspending because they're unhappy in their lives. And I actually just uh, just interviewed Tracy McCubbin, incredible author, and she helps people organize, declutter and organize their homes out of L.A. She's a decluttering company. And she said, wow, especially over COVID, she was helping all these people declutter their homes. And she realized that they were overbuying things to cover up emotional hurdles things that they weren't trying that they didn't want to have to work through right and it's so interesting you're like wow you lost your business over covid so then you bought a bunch of uh, skincare products because now you're no longer placing your value is no longer connected to your business your value is placed on the way you look so now you need to better the way you look because you feel like that's your only value and that's so yeah. sad to think about right it's true and it, i think it happens to probably many of us right it, at some points or another. I mean, mm -hmm. I, I know for a fact that I, I've gotten much better at it, but I know when I was in my mid-20s, whenever I would experience stress, for example, right? Instead of digging deep and figuring out what am I stressed about, the solution was the tub of ice cream. <laughs> and it's probably still a thing for, I think, many people. And what I found is that taking the time to reflect and process feelings it takes time and whether it's short or long, it's just kind of a matter of one's perspective, but it does require a level of intention, I think, in order to be able to do that instead sure of defaulting to whatever the behavior was previously, right? And don't get down on yourself when you do grab that ice cream. You know, it's a process. Yeah. It's going to be imperfect. Yeah. Lauren and I have been there. So, and we're constantly going through the motions. I think that's why our listeners are in this with us. It's following our journey, but also sharing in the journey because they're on their own journey, right? And we have challenges and we're very open. We're very real about the things that we go through. Our lives aren't perfect. Sometimes we will overbuy and we have to spend time returning those items, but it doesn't happen often because luckily we know what we own. We know what we own. So when we can go, when we go shopping, we can go in there with greater attention because we know what we need and we know what we don't need. So before uh, before we close off and give you an opportunity to share how people can connect with you, Kelly, can Lauren and I help you find that bed that you're looking for? You <laughs> <laughs> already got it. <laughs> That's such a great question. I actually finally bought it yesterday and I'm so proud of myself. We said on our latest episode, we said, I, we talked about how I need to become a better decision maker especially when it comes to buying items because I'm very good at saving my money and I don't like spending my money on things that I don't love. And I'm, again, very intentional. Finally found something. And so I'm not going to think about it anymore. Just going to go with the flow. You can't have buyer's remorse. You just got to go on to the next thing. So nice. it's something that I need to manage. But thank you for the question. <laughs> of course. I'm glad we're able to help. How can people connect with you guys? What, what do you have going on? Uh, what can people be a part of? Yeah, absolutely. So you can connect with us on any podcast platform. You can find us at Millennial Minimalists, and that is plural, and that's millennial with two Ns. <laughs> A lot of people get confused by that. It is quite the tongue twister. We are also on Instagram and Facebook at Millennial Minimalists, and we will be on YouTube soon. So look out for us. 